You're listening to the Wealth and Wanderlust podcast, an international finance and personal development podcast for the modern day woman. I'm your host, Vanessa M.W., and I'm here to help you build a better life abroad or in America. You can find out more about my work in finance and travel on wanderonwards.co, or you can say hi on Instagram at wanderonwards. Not all classrooms have four walls, so open your mind to what's possible and let's get started. Hi everyone, it's Vanessa M.W. back for another episode of Wealth and Wonderlust. Today we have a very special guest. She's into the family finance. She knows all about kids and like how to wrestle them. Um, But more importantly, she's part of the Latina community that we have on Instagram, which I honestly couldn't have gotten through quarantine without you guys. Um, I didn't know there were so many of us until I started um, reaching out. So let me allow her to introduce herself. Rita, who are you? Where can people find you? And what do you talk about? Hi, my name is Rita Soledad Fernandez Paulino. You can call me Soledad. Um, but for some people, Soledad is even too much, so I go by Sol. I am a personal finance enthusiast. I am the chief financial officer of a small startup became my family of four who we call ourselves the Puro Party Paulinos. I um, create personal finance content on Wealth Para Todos because when I learn something, I want to share it with others. I feel like I got, I was late to the game in terms of understanding personal finances. And as soon as I started to learn, I wanted to talk dinero with anybody who would want to talk dinero with me. And it just turned out that it was strangers online. So Talk to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think anyone who comes from a Latino background, we are terrified of talking about money from a very young age. We know it's the chancla or nothing. Um, and what started your uh, personal finance journey? Like, why did you get into it? In March of 2019, I, was, I got sick and I used to be a math teacher. And I was so sick that I had inflammation throughout my body, including my lungs. And I couldn't um, walk because it was so hard for me to breathe. And I was on bed rest and I couldn't pick up my children. I have a now six-year-old and a three-year-old, but back then they were younger. And they couldn't hug me because it hurt so much in my body. And I was on medical leave for six months and had to be put on disability. And during that time, literally, I was just lay in bed. And uh, I had a cousin who introduced me to Dave Ramsey. He's a Republican. That's why, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I'm throwing shady eyes for anyone who can't see this. (laughs) That's why he knows about Dave Ramsey. Um, So he had told me about Dave Ramsey. So that was one of the first books I read, Total Money Makeover. And growing Mm -hmm. up, Mexican, Catholic, like I read that book and all the shaming really motivated me to get out of debt. Like that shaming was something that really resonated with me. Unfortunately, um, my debt-free journey was one that I felt like, oh, I have to do this really quickly. And, And how did I get into this debt in the first place? And I was shaming myself and shaming myself so much. And then after a while, I started reading other personal finance books, and I read one by, I want to say her name's Ashley Feinstein. Uh, she wrote the book, The 30-Day Money Cleanse. And I thought, mm. wait, your personal finance journey doesn't 
have to be full of shame. It could have cariño. And that started to shift my mindset. And I just started to think like, I want everyone to become debt free. And I want everyone to have an emergency fund. And I want everyone to start investing for their retirement. And I want it to be a process that they can enjoy. That it Absolutely. Is something, um, like I said, full of cariño. And so that's how eventually I got into both Barato's. But for myself, I was on I was on bed rest. I was sick. And I needed to, um, I just got in my head and I just started consuming all of this content. And I decided I wanted to become debt-free before I turned 33. Amazing. Uh, and my, you're like 21, right? I'm just like looking at your skin <laughs> and, and how you present yourself. I turned 34 in September. I'm really oh, excited to be 35 next year. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, Thank you. And, and so within like May, 2019 is when I started reading the books. And then I started reading more and watching YouTube videos and we paid off our debt by September, 2019. And it was wow. about $23,000. Wow. Mind you, I was on bed rest. I literally couldn't do anything. I couldn't, I couldn't leave my house. I wasn't being tempted to spend my money on anything besides medical bills that kept coming my way. And then once I started getting my health back and started to live again, I realized I don't, I didn't really learn the skills to make this sustainable. My debt-free journey felt like deprivation. And I thought, how am I going to build an emergency fund? Because this isn't sustainable. How like no. everything that I cut out in order to become debt-free I found myself then wanting to be like, okay, well, now we're debt free. Let's go on a vacation. Let's do this. Yeah, let's go to the Maldives. <laughs> and it was hard because we still didn't have an emergency fund. We didn't, we, you know, and we have two kids, right? And so I started to think, okay, well, how am I going to make this sustainable? And for me, it meant that I was going to have to do it poco a poco and todo con tiempo, like, it was going to happen and I needed to be a lot more patient and I had to increase like the amount of money that we had in our budget for personal spending. Like when we were on our debt-free journey, we only gave, um, it was $200 a month, like my husband and I to spend money on anything we wanted. And then for the kids, it was $50. So it was $500. So for some people, I think like $200 a month, like, oh, $50 a week. Oh, that's good. You know, but I live in Los Angeles. Getting a manicure and a pedicure is like $50. So that's already like very limiting. Um, and I don't know. I'd have to look through my budget to see. I, I just know that I struggled okay. so much. I struggled so much in trying to live within that. Um, and so then like I, I was like, we have to increase it. And yeah, so it made it more sustainable. Yeah, I think people forget that your personal finance journey is a journey. There's going to be uphills, there's going to be downhills. But I think um, a piece of advice that I give to my clients is you need to work in sprints. So some months you're going hard, you're totally focused, you drive that $200 budget down to 50. Um, and then other days you go to the Maldives and you enjoy the money you worked so hard to keep. Um, did you, do you talk to your children about finance or what's your approach with that? Yes. 
Yeah, so my kids know about, I know spend days, they know about their budget. So like right now in, um, what month are we in? November? <laughs> in yes. November, they know like they get $100 each. And if they go over that budget in a month, then then they're over budget, right? Like, but if they go under, that money is pulled and we put it into a savings account for them. And so this month they actually went over, both of them. They got like these art classes and they got new clothes. And I covered it through like their personal savings from previous months where they didn't spend anything. And so the kids know like you're, you're, you've reached your budget next month you could start thinking about the things that you want for next month and prioritize getting that in the beginning of the month but that's it like don't don't ask me like my friend was like oh can I get this app and I was like no baby you, you wanted to get those three pairs of pants yep and, and, and this six. is so important yeah wow I don't even think my my parents spoke to me and my adult siblings about money like you do with your children. Um, how do you get children interested in money? Because it's one thing to say, um, you have a budget, this is how math works, but to get children excited about money, how does that work? One of the first things I did with what my now three-year-old, but when he was two years old, I used to have him separate the coins, the change in the house and separating like the dimes and the pennies and the quarters and the five cents and and just separating category categorizing that versus you know like colors or things that they like they, they tell people to like have kids color you know categorize the uh their socks and their clothes and their fruit and i thought no let them categorize the money and so my two-year-old that's how he started to learn about money and he even the two-year-old knows like oh it takes money to buy things. I'm going to save my money. My two-year-old's a lot more into saving versus my six-year-old who's a, a natural spender. And as soon as gets, as soon as they get money, they, they want to spend it. Um, so yeah, that's how I started just like, you know, talking to them. And then in terms of budgeting, it's, they hear us talk in our everyday lives, right? So um, one budget that's very uh, prominent in our lives is our dining out budget. And us being like, okay, how much more money can we spend on eating out this month? And with that amount of money, is it going to be boy loco? Is it going to be, you know, <laughs> tender greens? <laughs> this know, is like, such an LA conversation. <laughs> I go to all of these places. I'm originally from Los Angeles for anyone who didn't know. Carry on. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, the, you know, it's those conversations. And so that's my six year old at this point will ask me like, uh, do we have money in the budget for this? Do we have money in the budget to, you know, eat here? Um, and you know, they ask about that because they hear my husband and I talking about it. And so we'll do like one monthly check-in about our budgets. And then when we want to spend money, we check in with our budget before we're going somewhere or even like on Sunday, we were going to my abuela's house and I said, let's get comida for everybody mm. that, that's going to be there. Don't worry, everybody. We're not like, we're still social distancing. It was only a total of like six of us and we were outside. But <laughs> um, in the conversation, I was like, oh, should, should we eat lunch by ourselves first or do we have money to take it over to everybody else? And uh, we didn't 
have money in our budget to take it from everyone else in terms of our dining out budget. So mm -hmm. then we started to have the conversation of like, who will give money from their personal budget to add money to the dining out? And so that's something that my kids are also aware of too, that they know they have their personal budget. So like when Mulan came out, my six-year-old was like, I'll pay for movie night, but I want to watch it the day it comes out. And then my two-year-old was saying, I want, uh, I'll pay for popcorn. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's cute, right? Wow, that is so wonderful. I cannot think of any time I've ever seen children uh, behave that way, myself included. Like, I didn't really learn about money until I was like 24. Um, so uh, I, I am going to put this into practice if I so choose to reproduce. Um, and did you have to sell your husband on this or was he like on team money bags from the get-go? So my husband and I both grew up, well, my husband grew up in the projects in, in New York City. I grew up uh, house poor. You know, like my mom worked really, really hard to keep her real estate. And as a result of that, there wasn't money for other things. And if it was purchased, it was usually on a credit card. So uh, my husband and I both we were raised by single mothers. So it was something that for us, it was just like, we, we grew up not necessarily wanting money to buy things, but more to have experiences that we didn't have and um husband has always been on board about budgeting he was a little like weirded out when I started investing he mm. was nervous about that um just because it wasn't something that we were familiar with so I had to do a lot of like um showing him like YouTube videos telling him look I'm reading this listen to this podcast like IRAs are a thing. It's a thing and they're not sketchy. Like, you know, like this is legit. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. uh, and it really helped that, you know, we have Miss Be Helpful and Invest in Latina who are two mm -hmm. Dominicans and he's Dominican. And he was mm -hmm. like, okay, well, if they're doing it, uh, which is why I always feel like representation really matters because you never know who's going to relate to you, uh, to your story and want to start like this personal finance journey as a result. Absolutely. Um, I don't think until I like started opening my mouth and saying, hey, I'm doing this. Did I really meet other Mexicanas doing the same thing? And we got to um, like share uh, experiences about how our parents taught us about money, which was not at all. Um, and like I am the granddaughter of a Mexican gardener. Um, if I can learn about money, then anyone can learn about money, how to grow it, how to keep it, how to make more of it. Um, what has been the biggest cultural challenge that you've faced while learning about money? That people don't want to talk about it. Mm. With my loved ones. So like when I became debt-free, I posted it onto like my personal Instagram story. I was like, we're debt-free. I paid off all my student loans. Not one person sent me like a little heart emoji or like the clap the hands emoji or party, like nothing. No one <laughs> responded. Damn. To yeah. And that, then I was like, oh shit. I, why? And I thought, is it because I'm already late? Is it because I paid off my student loan so late? Is it because I'm the only one who was in debt in the first place? Is it because 
I have two kids and people are like, wow, you have two kids and you had all this debt. Like I didn't know why no one responded until months later when I learned that just because a lot of my loved ones were still in debt. My, a lot of my loved ones weren't investing in retirement. And it was just something that sometimes it's triggering. It's triggering for people. You know, a lot of times we see things that other people are doing and we want to do them too. But then it's also overwhelming because where do you start? Um, which is another reason why I really wanted to start Wealth Para Todos because I didn't have loved ones who would have conversations about dinero with me. And I just felt like I want to teach my loved ones. I want to teach people in my community most about this. But if they're not going to listen, then maybe I could help somebody else. And by the time I got like a thousand followers on Instagram, then like my sister started following. <laughs> yeah and then like the more like and in some ways that's the thing it's like I feel like maybe the more followers I get on Instagram then my actual loved ones the people who I really want to talk to being with will actually start to follow me because it's still something that I, I they're just like I can't think about this right now I can't think about this right now I'll, I'll start budgeting when I have more money I'll start um saving for investing after I do you know pay off more of my debt or pay off a credit card, you know? And so I've had to learn to respect those boundaries as well because I was very like, no, 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 you need to, you need to. And then like people weren't texting me <laughs> and then avoiding me. So I just had to learn like, okay, let me respect those boundaries and let me have conversations with people who want to talk about me. You know, cause I, I literally don't see any of the shame. I don't feel it. I don't like, I'm like the I learned so much from other people who are transparent with their numbers. I, and I, and I hope that other people are also able to learn from me too. And, or just like to have the conversation. I been able to learn a lot and apply a lot. Um, we became debt free. So we paid off the $23,000. We saved up a $30,000 emergency fund. We maxed out two Roth IRAs. We maxed out Husband's 401k all in like a relatively short time. And it's because of the conversations I've had with other people on social media. You know that I, the one of the big aha moments I had was when I saw you in Hey Verna's Hella Helpful series. That's, what? When I, that's how I found out about you. And that's when I started following you. And I was so excited to have another, I was like, oh, she's Mexican. She's Mexican, you know, because a lot of the um, Latinas that I was following were um, Dominicanas from New York City. And so when I had like a Mexican, California girl who, and then I saw your blog and I, I was like, oh my God, she's a content creator? Wait, what? Like, this is a thing? Like, I can do this? And, and so, yeah, it's a lot of times like you don't know who you're going to influence. It's like a domino effect. So my very best friend in all the world, she was my roommate in China and her Chinese was so much better than mine. I was constantly poor. I couldn't even afford to feed myself at some of the points because I got salmonella and I couldn't go to work for three months. Um, she took care of me in a way that I will forever be grateful for. She was like my maid of honor. Um, at my wedding. And then now I'm teaching her about money and she's investing. She's paying herself from her company that she started and, and went legit with. And it's so interesting how 
as we're existing and just trying our best, we're impacting the people around us that respect us and love us in ways that we could have never imagined. And so just as she helped me with these things that I wasn't particularly familiar with or like frankly good at, my Chinese was terrible. Um, <laughs> now it's my turn to kind of um, bring my friend up to the next level with something that I know and that I'm really comfortable with. Um, and that has been so gratifying. And I see every single day on your profile, the wonderful people that you're helping. And frankly, the people that are often overlooked because the Dave Ramsey's, he wants to help the like wealthy white women that got into debt in Dallas, Texas, um, who want to just like go to church and, and, and shame one another for things. I, I don't see the same sort of like Jennifer Lopez for us. Do you, can you think of anyone? I think, I think each one of us is our own little personal finance person. I think of, you know, I think of Janice, I think of you, I think of um, Delianne, I think of, uh, you know, uh, Miss Be Helpful. There, there are a lot of Latinas talking personal finance. Eva Macias is also here um, in California. There's a lot of us in, in it. It's like, there's a lot of us, but there's not actually, because when I went to this thing called FinCon, I was like, oh, I'm the only Latina here. And when I show up to different spaces that, you know, to want to learn more about personal finances, I'm like, oh, I'm the only Latina here. And, and part of the reason why I want to like teach everyone about dinero is because when I show up to these places, I don't want to be the only Latina in the room. I don't, I want there to be, I want us all to be building wealth juntos. And, and so, yes, I could say like, follow all of these accounts, but at the end of the day, it's still, those are the only accounts. Yeah, it, it's super lonely. And I get trolled all the time on TikTok for this, but it makes a difference when you see someone who comes from your background, who speaks a similar language, who understands your struggles, because then you don't have to justify your existence and your struggles and the things that are unique to you and your culture. Um, what piece of advice would you have for a Mexicana from like Los Angeles or um, New York who is just starting her um, personal finance journey and has other people to consider? So children, a loved one, a, a parent, what would your advice be to that person? Quick commercial break. Want to manage your money better? Check out my beginner's budget dashboard. It's an easy to use digital tool that helped me economize my lifestyle easily so I could invest over $20,000 in 2020 alone. Check out the link in the description. A key thing after you know, you've done your zero-based budgeting, you've looked at your numbers, you understand how much money you have coming in, uh, what's the difference between your expenses and your income, I would say a big thing that has helped us a lot is having a family loved one emergency fund. So separate from our own emergency fund, we put away money, um, $200 a month into a family emergency fund. Because when you are one of the few people in your family who maybe got a degree or who's making a more income or waited a little longer to have your children. So that also provides sometimes um, some more financial stability. When you're the first one to be learning about retirement and investing, 
we're going to be the one that people turn to to ask for money when they may not have an emergency fund and their car breaks down and they need to pay to get their car fixed or because they need new tires or because we're in a fucking global pandemic that is really impacting our communities and um you know maybe they're not able to to go to work and their income has been impacted and having that family emergency fund has been really good for us because we're able to help our loved ones without sacrificing our own financial goals. And so it's been a way that's like, okay, we have this money. If somebody needs, you know, needs money for something, we are able to offer it to them too, which I think is also important because um, if people are not talking about the middle, then you don't necessarily know. And so something that I've been very explicit is telling like the loved ones who are our loved ones, like, hey, we have this family emergency fund, you know, if you ever need something, aquí tenemos dinero, you know, this is, this is literally to support our loved ones, and we budget for this, and this is something that, you know, is, 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 is available to you, and a lot of times what ends up happening when I have that conversation is they're like, wait, what, you budget? Tell me more about that. How do you how do you put money away each month for this? You know, and I think that that that's good. You know, so it's, it's a good segue um, because it's also hard for you to be building yourself up, building your own wealth, paying off your own debt, and feel like you can't be there for your loved ones. That that can be challenging, and and setting the boundaries around. Um, how you can help people because you don't want to enable anybody either, you know? <laughs> so, so having that loved one emergency fund, knowing like under what conditions, like you're going to let someone borrow money, how much money um, would it be a borrow versus just give? And also understanding like we have that money. And even for people who ask us to borrow, we just say in mentally, we prepare ourselves to only lend what we could absolutely give. Because Absolutely. you don't need to fight anybody over the you know, either, you know, and you don't want to have like resentment over that. So just understanding that, because I do think like a lot of times when you're first gen, second gen, you're, you're responsible for helping other people in your family. And I think it gets particularly complicated with Latino families because there's just so many of us. And we've all had such different um, starting positions in the grand race of life. So when you have a college degree, when you're doing well, you almost feel a sense of shame for your success because you haven't brought enough people with you. You're not supporting people enough. You're not generous enough with your time, money, and attention. Um, how do you cope with these feelings? Part of it is just understanding that for me to always just speak my truth, right? So like my best um, friends, they didn't go to college when I went to college. I, um, one of them is a cosmetologist. Another one had her two kids like before she was 23, so a lot younger. And those friends, I was able to tell them like, hey, I'm in college and I feel like I don't belong. I feel lonely. I feel like I don't, I don't fit in here. I don't know what I'm doing. And the times when I dropped out of college and went back to school, like I was always able to tell them my truth and they were able to tell me their truth. And that just, and I just, 
I was just so lucky to have those two friends who were able to like support me no matter where I was, despite our life experiences being so different. And I think it set a tone or, or an expectation in my own life that anyone who comes my way, like if you don't have my back like they do, like <laughs> our energy is not right. We're not going to be in each other's lives. Um, so that's been like a, 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 a privilege that I've had that unconditional love from these girls since I was 10. So for more than 24 years, you know, I think that's the longest relationship I've ever been in, those friendships. Um, and then also I had uh, my abuelas. I think my abuelas who always reminded me like, we made sacrifices for you to have a better life. So don't feel guilty about your better life like this is what we worked for this is why you know we came here in the first place this is why there was six of us living in a one-bedroom apartment this is you know um why your grandfather worked late and and we didn't have things so that you could have more opportunities and also for me like my abuela she was my abuela she was really good at math in mexico but in mexico um they didn't let, like she used to do her brother's homework and she wasn't allowed to go study and go to school. And I eventually became a math major and then a math teacher. So for me, I was like, she wasn't able to do it, but I was able to do it. So I think that, that helps me that I was just like, you know, thinking like poco, poco a poco, todo con tiempo. Todo con tiempo sometimes means generations. And yep. when we think about it that way, that like, I am just like one person in, in in a lineage of you know I have my past ancestors my future people like what am I doing to just help us all I think it's less guilt and less shame and more pues tengo que trabajar, you know more like more pride <laughs> si more like, yeah. yeah like <laughs> I, I can do this I need to do this and at the end of the day like you not investing you not having money doesn't help the collective the one of the best things that each of us can do is um you know being financially secure like that just helps everyone so part of it, it like starts with yourself first and so taking that um just understanding that and it took me time it took me time and, and there's times back and forth like i always enter giveaways and i'm like oh well you know, I always want to win and I love giveaways. I have like, I, I do this all the time and I want a lot of giveaways because I enter so many. And um, a part of it, like there's this big one that I'm, I'm it's like $350,000, right? That's like this latest giveaway. And there's this part of me that was like, oh, well, I shouldn't, like, I don't, like, I shouldn't win it. Like it should go to someone else who really needs it. But then I started thinking, Rita Soledad, if you are the one who wins it, you already understand how much of that is going to go to taxes. You're going to have that money saved up, saved up. You already know, like, your plan of who in your family you're going to help in terms of, like, their, their credit card debt. You have your plan about how you're going to invest that money so then it becomes the down payment on, on a multi-unit or multi-family home who then you could rent out to your brother, to your, to your friend, your brother-in-law, like, like you, you winning this money is going to help a lot of people. So don't shut yourself off from those, like, even just, you know, like these for money. Don't, you know, it's like at the end of the day, it's like, it's good. 
it's good. Like good people, you know, like help people. And the more money you have, the more people you can help. Absolutely. And the more knowledge you have, the more people you can help. Um, I am always sh like shook uh, in, in my core. Someone yesterday in an interview told me like, Vanessa, you have helped thousands of people with their money. And it never really did like hit me that that is the extent of my reach that I'm, I'm doing the Lord's work in, in my own special way. Um, but it really puts in perspective, like all the amazing work that we're doing on social media. And it, it almost relights that fire when I get frustrated and I'm like, okay, my taxes are all a mess again, or I'm exhausted from work. Um, do you feel like our like Mexican heritage also like allows us to work efficiently and, and just harder than some of our other peers? Because I get Do I done. I think that colonization has effed us up. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's true. We don't know how to yes. rest. <laughs> yeah. True. True. Um, I, I always like roll up my sleeves and I'm like, let me show you how a real Mexican does this. Um, <laughs> I, I can't rest at all. And I constantly have like a happy, positive attitude about we can do this. But I wonder if it's from like deep seated colonization and abuse. <laughs> But also, also, Vanessa, you do take your time to rest and people may not always see that. I mean, you do like, I know you're into your skincare and so, and, and traveling also so good for the soul. So I think mm -hmm. it's also important for, for people to understand and for us to be a lot more transparent about like, whenever we are able to work hard and create and do stuff, ideally it's because we're also resting just as hard. And we're also, you know, taking time to just chill. And it's hard for me. That, that's been a struggle. I mean, part of the reason why I got so sick back in March of 2018 is because I burnt out. I had two kids. I was back in the classroom trying to teach at the same level when I had no children. And now I had less support and less time. I literally had less time. And I, I wasn't adjusting. And I wasn't shifting. And, and that's part of the reason I got sick. Um, I think, yes, we, we work very hard. I also think that a lot of us work really hard and we're not compensated for our hard work. I think about um, you know minimum wage in the United States. At uh, the federal level compared to a state level, it's crazy. It's crazy. It is like, crazy. And, 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 like, I, I have conversations with my sister about like, you know, this idea of like working hard. And I'm like, I worked really, really hard as a teacher. And no matter what, I was only going to make a certain income. Like even, and to get like even a little bit more, it was going to require teaching after school, which actually required a lot more planning and, and, you know, consisted of a lot more. And then there's like people who are picking grapes in the farms, like they're working really hard and they don't have like access to certain things as we do. So Part of me is like, yeah, we all need to work. And then we also need to adopt like what you have learned, you know, outside of the United States, these programs that like help people. Health yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Health insurance. I, I can't even tell you my second life began once I became part of like socialized healthcare because you don't have to create an emergency fund if your insurance runs out since you have cancer. Like that's just not something we have to consider here. We don't have mass shootings. The government, it's called Kindergeld. The German government literally gives you 300 euros per child 
to send them to elementary and pre-K um, school so you can go back to work if you want, so your kids can get ahead in school. I don't understand the fear in America. I'm so detached now and, and a little bit jaded, but we see other countries doing it successfully, but we call it Marxism and we demonize anyone that suggests it. How do you feel as a mom that has to plan for all these things that I just mentioned? Well, one of, um, like this month, we spent our, our savings rate, which was, it became an investing rate. Like what we were putting towards investing uh, accounts used to be 47%. That's what we were sending. And I was able to do that because I was at home with my kids, but then it got to a point where husband and I were just fighting a lot <laughs> and it was just too stressful. And I was like, I didn't like, this is not what I signed up for when it came to be a parent. Like I did not think I was going to be with my kids 24 seven in the house, not able to do all these things because of the global pandemic. And so I, we eventually got to a point where like, we need childcare. And now 27% of our income is spent on childcare. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. And, and part of that is because we want to make sure to pay our nanny, um, you know, like legit, like on the books, because that means that she can, when we no longer need her, she's going to be able to have access to unemployment. She can start putting money towards social security. And that was really important to us to do it. Like, cause there's some people who will hire a nanny and just pay them cash. But then all those years, mm -hmm. those people are working for you. They can't even, you know, contribute to a Roth IRA, which is a big thing that I told my nanny. I was like, look, we're paying you and you're going to have access to this, but just, can you promise me that you're going to invest in a Roth IRA? Um, so yeah, childcare is expensive. It's, it's expensive. It's hard um, in terms of like working moms too, trying to figure that out because at the end of the day, like as much as my husband and I work so much about really like, and he does a lot, like he's the one who cooks in the house. Right. Um, but there's so many things that I manage in terms of like contact with the teachers and, and planning like their little activities. Um, Cause my husband could just like be at home all day and the kids could just be like on tablets and he would be like, ah, they're learning. And I'm like, no, no, we need to socialize. We need activities. We need to be doing arts and crafts. Um, and so there is always like a heavier burden on mothers. And let's also not forget the fact that it's like your body too, that gets impacted by that. Like, Part of the reason uh, some disadvantages that we had were all my medical issues with my firstborn, and I had to be on bed rest for for him, and I had crazy bills, and I also didn't know. This is like one of my biggest financial regrets is I didn't know how to apply to get um, like money for maternity leave. So for both my children, I never got. Like it, here in the United States, unemployment, right? And it's actually under uh, disability. So when you're pregnant, in order to get money to help cover your costs, which is like in other places would be like maternity leave, you actually have to file for disability. And that's how you get money. Well, I, that didn't, I didn't think that. I didn't know about that. I was, you know, so I didn't know that I could have money still get some money from things that I've paid into with my own taxes, right? Like I've paid into unemployment and that I could have been still getting that money when I was at home with my kids. I had no idea. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's like, if you don't know that, if you don't know that you need to put in this paperwork and file for disability and get your doctors to sign off, then you're not going to get money. Well, you know, those first, you know, what do they give us? <laughs> 50 weeks. bucks? I don't know. It's six, only 16 <laughs> weeks where you could even have access to that money in the first place. Oh my God. Um, in Germany, we have two years maternity, and I'm pretty sure the first one is fully paid for, and then the second one, you get a subsidized amount. You better stay over there when you get I know, girl, I'm not children. coming back. <laughs> I'm coming back. Um, I think this is a great place to end. Um, I did have one last question. For all the new families, so with the newborn children who are just starting their um, personal finance journey, what is one piece of advice you would give them? As parents, it's important that you take care of your personal finances first. So our children right now still don't have college accounts. They don't have 529 accounts because one thing that we prioritized was us getting out of debt and us saving for retirement because there's no scholarships for retirement. So it's important that... Um, that you make sure that you're taking care of yourself financially before you start thinking so much in terms of your children's future. Um, so that would be my advice. Yeah, because you can't pour from an empty cup. So you got to take care of yourself first. All right, Soledad, where can everyone find you to follow up with more amazing tips, tricks, and beautiful budgets that are hand-drawn? I <laughs> love looking at your budget pictures. Uh, I am Wealth Para Todos on Instagram, a veces on Twitter, and hopefully soon you'll also be able to check out my blog at wealthparatodos.com. And what about the YouTube series? Uh, my, You know what? Husband is actually starting a, a YouTube series. Amazing. I, yeah, so what? if you follow me on Instagram, eventually you'll, you'll hear about um, Husband's uh, YouTube series. I'm a, I like to write and read. That's my thing. Okay. Well, no one's perfect. Um, <laughs> have a wonderful evening. Thank you, everyone, from for tuning in to Wealth and Wanderlust. We'll see you in the next episode. Want to win a free finance-related digital product valued anywhere from $15 to $300? Just subscribe and leave a review on iTunes with your name. I'll announce the winner each month on the podcast and you can DM me on Instagram to claim your prize. Thanks for supporting the channel and I'll see you next week.